Hello and welcome to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. This is Marisa from the Tower Hill Production Team. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whenever or wherever you are listening from, we hope this podcast helps you grow in your faith and we hope you share it with someone else so that they can grow in their faith too. have some very exciting news here at Tower Hill. We are thrilled to welcome our new associate pastor of Next Steps, Reverend Chris Derricks. Chris actually grew up in Jersey, but he has spent the last 15 years in Pittsburgh where he served as a pastor and a family counselor. But he is delighted to be back on the Jersey Shore. He brought his wife Nikki and their two beautiful kids, and he cannot wait to get connected with all of you. Chris doesn't actually officially start until July 1st, but he did stop by on Sunday and he gave us a sneak peek with a special sermon called, Do You Want to Fish? So let's listen in right now. How's everybody doing? Like we said, I am Chris Derricks. I did bring some props with me, so, um, but uh, this is just an honor. This is a joy to be sharing my, uh, my journey with you and I'm um, just So excited to be here, and like I said, I have felt nothing but love in in this whole process. So um, I'm going to tell you about a little bit about our journey here, Um, and everything is based off this one statement. So here goes: My life was transformed, changed, and altered because of the Holy Spirit working through a teenager here at Tower Hill 17 years ago. I'll repeat that. My life was transformed, changed, and altered because of the Holy Spirit working through a teenager here at Tower Hill 17 years ago. So here's the story. 2007, uh, I had just gotten married my beautiful wife, Nikki, over there. And um, we met working for Group Work Camps. It's an organization that youth come and uh, they go all over the country and they set up camps. They set up, we set up these camps where the youth come and work on houses. They, uh, they fix them up and uh, then they learn about Jesus throughout the week. These awesome camps, Group Work Camps. That's where Nikki and I met. Um, and we got married. And um, here's the thing. I was a teacher at the time. She's from Pittsburgh. I'm from New Jersey here. And when you try to transition a Pittsburgher to New Jersey, it's a little difficult. Now, here, I was an elementary teacher over in Matawan, New Jersey. I was a fifth grade teacher for three years. I loved it. Um, and since I had the job, uh, we had Nikki move from Pittsburgh to New Jersey, which is a bit of a different transition. I remember getting a phone call when she was on the side of the road, and she's like, how do you merge into the parkway? <laughs> and I'm like, "Hun, you just got to hit the gas and go. And the first one to get your bumper in, that's who wins the lane. What? I'm like, that's just how it works around here. And they say the transition year in your first year of marriage is usually the toughest, right? And it was because we are taking a Pittsburgher 
and putting her in New Jersey. And we're a little rough around the edges here. Um, but we, so we moved her to New Jersey, and so, and uh, as we're, we're tr looking at the year and things like that, and we're like, maybe, like, New Jersey's not for us. We're, we're trying to figure out where we're going to land in life and where we're going to land for the, for the rest of our years and things like that. And we're starting to think, like, maybe we should go back to Pittsburgh. And so I started looking at teaching jobs in Pittsburgh. My wife actually got offered a, a youth ministry job in Pittsburgh. And so signs were saying, all right, let's head to Pittsburgh. Um, and so she was also feeling a call into counseling at the time. She's amazing at listening and, uh, and, and counseling people, and uh, that's what she ended up doing, and that's her career in counseling. But at that time, we thought, all right, we're headed to Pittsburgh. You ever hear the statement, you tell God your plans, and he just kind of laughs, right? Well, during that transition time when we're getting ready to possibly move uh, to Pittsburgh, uh, my wife was substitute teaching all over. Middletown, Homedale, a whole bunch of different uh, districts. And one day, a sophomore girl in one of the classes was talking about her church. And she's like, talking about the youth group, how much she loves the youth group, how much she loves her church. And I was like, those kids don't usually do that. Even back then, they didn't do that. They don't, they don't go to high school and tell kids about their church and about their youth group and all of those things. And so she's like, that's pretty neat. Let me talk to her. So she's talking to this girl, a sophomore, and the girl's like, we have this opening at our church for an assistant youth director. You got to do it. Like, I'm going to get you in contact with the pastor. I'm going to get my mom involved. Like, we're going to get, we're going to get you. And so this girl lined up a meeting between my wife, Nikki, and the pastor here at Tower Hill. Like I said, we were ready. We were ready to go. But my wife said, all right, well, let me just have the meeting. I get a phone call after that meeting. I don't know what just happened. I don't know if I've ever felt God talk to me that clearly before, but something is saying we, we have to stay. We have, I, have to, I, I, I need to take this assistant youth director position for at least a year. I was like, all right, great, so let's do it. Um, we didn't know what was happening, but something in us was saying, stay. So for one year, 2007, 2008, we served in the junior high and senior high ministries here at Tower Hill. Just one year. That year, our faith exploded. We have never, we had never up to that point felt like Jesus in our lives ever. And we were doing mission work, and we didn't feel Jesus as, as clearly as that one year that we were there. We felt close to Jesus. And my wife started getting um, her master's in counseling that year, and, and what we felt, and what I felt during that time, is I always said, I'm going to teach fifth grade for the rest of my years. Again, you tell God your plans, he just laughs. During that year, I start getting this itch. Maybe you should do a different type of teaching. Maybe you should think about being a pastor. And so that itch turned into a burning. And after that year, we were like, 
Now we feel like it's time. And I would have never gotten a call into ministry, into being a pastor, if I didn't stay in that one year here at Tower Hill. It changed my life. And so we left. We went to Pittsburgh. I went to Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Um, I ended up, and, and my wife ended up helping me. We did two youth groups there. Um, I eventually ended up taking a solo pastor job. I've been there for eight years. Um, every time there was a, a need for a move, God was like, it's time, and made this clear. And I always talked to people around me and talked to God in prayer and things like that. It's how you discern. And each time, God was clear. December 30th of this year, I have family here in, in New Jersey, so we come out here a bunch, and uh, December 30th of this year, we are driving back to Pittsburgh late at night, and during that day, I started feeling this, like maybe, maybe like God's calling me to, to do ministry here. Never thought this it wasn't an option in any sort, and the weird thing is, that same day, my wife is getting the same feeling and sensation that God's telling that maybe we need to, to start thinking about coming back here. And so we're on this drive, and we're like, what do you want to talk about? The kids fell asleep. And we're like, what? Are you feeling differently today? And we're like, yeah. God, what we found, was calling us back here. Those same feelings of calling that we got 17 years ago from a teenager, we were getting them again. You know, the greatest thing about ministry, for me, hands down, is the people. I love working with people in ministry. The Holy Spirit leads us to people. That's the great part of all of this. You know, you, me, we are all part of a great story. And, and so I wrote my whole sermon last week, and, uh, and you know, I was excited about it, I got it all done, and I was like, maybe I should check out what Jason's preaching on. And it turned out he's preaching on telling our stories and stories and how God works in story. And you know what half of my sermon is about? Story. It's just neat how God works in all of that, Right? There is this greater story of what God is doing. Then there's your story, and there's my story. And the beautiful thing of what God does is he interweaves these stories. He invites us. That's the great thing about God. He invites us to be part of his great story. Isn't that cool? You know, I believe the best gift I'm given in ministry is that I get to hear your story. The, the, our stories are, are filled with laughter. They're, they're filled with sadness. They're filled with pain. But all over, we see Jesus' hands in those stories. And one of the greatest examples that I think that Jesus gave in creating stories and interweaving it is that of fishermen. We have a passage here, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, 
Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. I come from a long line of not-so-great fishermen, absolutely terrible fishermen. Um, I had to be careful. My dad came to the earlier service, but he's not here, so I can let loose on it now. Um, so um, I don't think he looks online. Anyway, um, so I remember going fishing in Sandy Hook, and he'd be like, the blues are running. Who knows if they were? I got hot dogs. We're going to get them. I don't think that's how you catch hot dogs. But I remember going to Sandy Hook, and we had a lot of great times, a lot of great memories, and we always brought this big cooler. And after a while, my brother and I were like, why are we bringing a cooler? We never catch fish. And if you think that this story ends with us catching fish, it does not. We don't catch fish. Um, the only picture we have of us like we caught fish is we were on vacation once, and I think there was a fishing boat way out there, and all their nets broke, and all of the dead fish washed ashore. So my dad lines up the fish on the beach and then holds his pole and says, take my picture. <laughs> and so that's the only picture we have with fish. Um, now I take my son fishing, and uh, he says, how come we never catch fish? And I said, son, it's a family tradition. All right? We don't catch fish. Um, Jesus invited the disciples to be fishers of people. Now, Jesus is taking the story of fishermen, a common, simple story of fishermen, and he's interweaving it into his story of saving humanity. You see how that works? Jesus takes one story and interweaves it into his greater story. Now, when I thought about this passage as a kid, I always thought about disciples, fishing poles, hooks, throwing it out there, right? Grab a person, reel them into church. That's how it worked, right? I always thought of it like that. And now, they had poles and, and hooks back then. They did excavating during that time. They, they found that stuff. But nothing in any of the, the New Testament, the, the gospel stories, ever was there fishing with poles and hooks. All the time, it had to do with nets. All right, so I have this prop, okay? I have a net. So, in my family, we used to own a piece of property up in Sussex County, uh, New Jersey, and uh, it had a pond on it. Now, the only time we were ever successful fishing was if we used this net. And the neat thing about this net is it's got two handles on either side, right? You put one on your foot and one you hold, and then you drag it catching fish. 
But see, there's a problem with this net. I always tried to use it if it was just me at the pond. But you can't use this. You need somebody else holding the other side, or maybe even more people, to use the net. See, the interesting thing about the passages with the disciples fishing is that they were always fishing together with nets and other people. When they got a big haul of fish, it was a bunch of them loading it into the boat, doing it together. That's how they always fished in the gospel stories. You see, after Jesus dies, he resurrects, and then ascends into heaven, he then says, it's go time. You're to, to share this good news here, our next-door neighbors, and then beyond. You're, you're to go to all those places. It's time to start fishing. And so the disciples are like, it's go time. This is how they decided to start fishing. Here's our passage, Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the disciples are, are start, they're, they're told to go out, start fishing now. Get people. Bring them in. Share the love of Jesus. And what did they do? They built communities. They surrounded those communities with love. And then they started fishing together by welcoming people into these communities. But see, they didn't do it with nets. They traded the nets. And instead, they used bread. And their fishing looked more like Let's have a meal together. Let's be together. Let's be welcome. Let's talk about life, even the messy stuff, even the, the stuff where we sometimes fight. Let's break bread together because there's nothing better than Jesus in the heart of a community. And the way we bring people in and welcome them is just simply through a meal. Bread. Right? It's at the heart of it. It just looks like people huddling together saying, I got you. You're with me now. And we got this Jesus who does some healing. Something to know about me um, is I'm actually finishing a master's degree in counseling in uh, marriage and family counseling. Um, my dream is to use this in the church uh, to help families, marriages, all of these things. Um, and as a counselor, 
uh, I see people in the Christian counseling setting, and I see people in, in, you know, that don't even know Jesus and never been to a church in their life. So I do uh, counseling in that area. And what I'm seeing right now is that the problems are huge. We are in the middle of a mental health crisis all over. And it would be silly for us and silly for me to say, well, that's out there and it's not in here. Those are the problems out there. But let's be honest. The same problems that are out there are with us too, right? My experience in counseling says that this room is no different than me. We've got our issues. We've got our past. We've got our traumas. I'm never going to stand up here in front of you and act like I got it all together. I can promise you that, because I don't. But isn't that the beautiful thing, that we can be here, have a meal together, even though we're broken, even though we fall short, and we can still be together? Jesus did not call perfect fishermen. He just asked for ones that were willing to throw out the net. Sit. And then Jesus does all the rest. He does the healing, not us. We build these communities of love where Jesus is in the center of it, and we invite them, we break the bread, but Jesus does the work, not us. Back in 2007, that teenage girl who had the guts to try to employ her substitute teacher took an edge of a net. Two handles. She walked over and said, I got this church, Tower Hill. There are great people there. They're a lot of fun. They're all about love. And I have experienced something great there. Do you want to fish with us? That statement from that girl inviting us in changed our lives and it changed my life. Isn't that amazing? So today, Tower Hill, I offer you the same thing. Two handles on a net. Want to do some fishing?